Hello, everybody. This is Duncan Fisher. Look at your mech. Now look at mine. Now look back at your mech. Now look back at mine. Does your mech look as good as mine? Sadly, no. But that's because I always listen to the No Guts, No Galaxy podcast and get excellent pointers. If you'd like to get your mech to look as good as mine, then you should listen too. In fact, it starts right now. No Guts, No Galaxy is recorded in front of a live studio audience. This is an adult podcast containing adult language. Consider yourself warned. You're listening to the Gamecasting Broadcast Network. Live from the outreach studios around the world. This is a No Guts, No Galaxy podcast. And now, your host, Phil, a.k.a. Sean Lang. Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy podcast number 89. My name is Phil, and I'm your host. It is September 11th, 2013, and my shout-out is going to be to everyone out there. Remember today, do not forget why. It is a day you will always remember. Darren, who do you got? Hey, this is Darren, a.k.a. Bombadil, and my shout-out today goes to the Drop Command podcast. Episode 6 is live. Check it out. Here's a link. And what's going on, Greg? What about you? I want to give a shout out to all the policemen, firemen, paramedics, soldiers, and friends and family of those who died in the Twin Towers in Megazi. Special shout out to Vile Rat, aka Sean Smith, who died in the the attack just last year, and uh, his family. We miss you, and thanks for everything you did for the Eve community and the MechWarrior community. Here, here. And of course, welcome to all of our new listeners out there, or listeners that have been watching us and listening to us for, you know, like, I don't know, two years. It's crazy going on. We're almost to our two-year anniversary, Darren. What do you think about that? It has uh, gone by very quick, indeed. I know. Hey, if you like what we're doing over here at NGNG and you have the ability, head over to our website. We've got a donations tab, and and actually, there's going to be a few changes coming along where you guys get some perks for donating uh, albeit, uh, you know, Avatar, you guys get to do all that fun stuff. But anyways, check that out. That's going live on the website soon. And we appreciate all of your support and you guys supporting all of the projects NGNG has. Hey, are you doing a little shopping online? Maybe Amazon, Newegg, or Tiger Direct? If so, help support the show while shopping for cool stuff online by clicking on the Amazon Newegg or Tiger Direct buttons on our website. They're on the right side. Scroll down a little bit. It won't add anything to your charge, but it gives NGNG a little kickback. It's a great way to support everything we do if you don't want to or cannot donate directly. And NGNGCon 2013 details are now available. Head on over to our forum for more information, including the address and info on local accommodations. I'd also suggest communicating with other community members that are attending to share transportation, lodging, and so forth. See you there. It'll be super awesome, obviously, after the MW launch party. Boom, right into NGNGCon. So if you can come, do so. Obviously, we also understand accommodations, hotels, and all that. It's really expensive, so make sure to check all those deals outside the like main area of San Francisco as well. We totally understand. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting you guys and seeing your faces. Today's Catalyst Game Lab sponsorship giveaway, we've got the starter book, Sword and Dragon, again. We've got another set of this to give away, so all you got to do is head over to our website, check that out, and uh, I think, uh, yeah, today's, uh, or for this giveaway, what we're going to be doing is you post a comment in the thread with uh, your opinion of which clan is the best clan. Oh, I feel like that one's going to be a hot, <laughs> hot topic, so anyways... That's all you got to do, and you could win this starter starter book, Sword and Dragon. And don't forget, we're going to be playing tabletop at NGNGCon. And not only that, is Catalyst Game Labs is sending us a few uh, books of uh, Alpha Strike, the new uh, rule set. So we're going to be having a few tables with that and rocking out. So I just want to say thank you again to Randall. You are awesome. Appreciate it so much. Hey, can I uh, vote for the Inner Sphere as the best clan? Um, no. No. Damn it. 
Boy, if you thought Mech of the Week was hot, let's wait till we see the comment thread on this one. <laughs> right? How many, how many people Clan smoke like, salmon. Yeah, right. <laughs> how many people are like, the best clan is a dead clan? I, feel, I have a feeling we're going to see that one, so I don't know. But anyways, guys, I'd like to say welcome to Garth as usual. And today we've got uh, Russ Bullock. What's going on, Russ? How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it's always a pleasure, man. Today, we're going to be talking with you in length, and, you know, uh, I want to get everyone just to sort of sit back. I've got a beer. We're going to relax, and we're going to, we're going to be a little bit nostalgic. We're going to sit back and look at, you know, where we came with MWO and where we're going, and we wanted to get your opinion on that, Russ, and because, you know, you got a lot of insider information when it comes to how it happened. So, I want to ask you, you know, in the past... You know, how did Mecro Online come to be and into the bean? You know, how did it come alive? Can you take us down that uh, memory lane there? He's talking about the point of inception, I guess, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, actually, um, I appreciate that opportunity. It's, I've been really, I guess, I don't know, the last little while, I think it's probably because, you know, launch, the launch date is almost upon us that um, it kind of, made me do a lot of reflecting here in the last couple of weeks and where's the sound effect make sure you get that in there like the the little think back sound effect <laughs> right um you know it's i think also you know just we've been so busy the last couple of months i mean just everything whether it's leading up to launch leading up to some of these big features and of course you know we're just coming out of probably one of the busiest um points in mech online sort of from a community standpoint too, you know, lots of conversation, lots of opinions and lots of, um, uh, I guess, uh, you know, topics that have been discussed lately. Um, and all that just made me think back because it has been a long road. And I want to take us all the way back probably to, you know, not even the beginning of MWO. I mean, we have to go back even further than that. Some of you guys have heard this story and I'm not going to get into the whole story again, just the parts that kind of relate to MechWire Online. But we didn't actually st we, we started working with the MechWarrior brand in late 2008 so that is what, what are we looking at here we're five years we're coming up yeah. on five years this fall so that's when i first got in touch with jordan wiseman and there's finally kind of an opening in, in the possibility of working with the brand and it's something i've been looking into probably for the first uh eight years the company had been around you know now we're i guess it's more like i don't know seven years we're coming up on 14 years um this coming january so we've been around for quite a while and i was always interested in working with the brand i was never available and it became available then and i guess the parts that are kind of meaningful to our your listeners here is that um what i discovered after we kind of got involved with the brand it, it wasn't just a hey here's the mechwire brand wow this is going to be easy, you know, kind of mentality like this is Mech Warrior. Just go out and just make a game. And I don't mean the regular challenges that any game has, meaning go out and find the development money and a publisher and stuff like that. Those still existed, but it was actually the challenges that we were made aware of by, say, Jordan Wiseman, the original, you know, founder and creator, um, who had been kind of in the traditional publisher space the last number of years with Microsoft and um, had been around, obviously, being a little bit older, had been around longer and been through making all those other MechWarrior games and knew about some of the challenges in moving MechWarrior forward. But also when we went to visit all these various publishers, because as you recall, back in 2009 in that video, that was going to be much more of a traditional product, right? Much more of a traditional box product. And in the kind of uh, you know roadblocks we ran into were surprising. You know, a lot of people came to us at the publishers and said, yeah, I remember that fondly, but in, in essence, insinuated that there's a reason why there hadn't been a MechWarrior game in, you know, whatever it had been at that point, I guess, approaching 10 years. And that's because of the various problems they saw with the game design. And essentially that it wasn't a modern game design, you know, that it had its period in time, but had been left behind. And a lot of the reasons for them feeling that way were some of the perceived problems. Uh, they would look at us and say, well, it was great, but, you know, the big but, and there was lots of buts. You know, that game was just, uh, you know, a, an arms race game. I mean, most of the content's useless. You know, you make it, why are you making light mechs? No one plays them. You know, mediums is heavy. So basically, as soon as they can get to an assault mech, they're in an assault mech. And so basically, it's an arms race game. They're, 
all the content that you create of the that was a big worry for us right it's like I, it's three quarters of the content we're gonna make just simply to progress the player to an assault mech and then they'll never come back again and that was a legitimate concern and there's some other really funny stuff like guys would comment like oh i remember that game really fondly you know that was cool my brother and i used to you know run around each other in circles and try to shoot each other's legs off and anyone who's played some mech warrior gets a chuckle out of that or smiles because Past Macquarie games were were plagued with um, legging. You know, that's all you. That's the main strategy, right? Leg each other. We've all wasn't... been on our backs in our mech, trying to move those two inches to see if we could get a shot in at somebody running by. Well, I think uh, you know, past Macquarie games, you know, were plagued with a lot of issues. And what you're sort of saying, Russ, is like, so these publishers were saying the this old game design, and I would say largely that's probably due to the direct translation, MechWarrior 2, MechWarrior 3, um, and you see MechWarrior 4, they tried to branch out there with sort of a, you know, the hard points, but it was a direct translation from the tabletop, which works well in the tabletop, right? Because, I mean, it's a, you know, turn-based, and, you know, it, uh, weapon does this, and, you know, mechs, you don't have to worry about uh, the actual physical, you know, dimensions and size, and, you know, it, that's that's sort of what you're, you're hitting at is, uh, you know, those limitations. But we... Uh... We interrupted. Please continue. Yeah, no, those are good points, guys. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I know all you guys played this stuff, and you all, everyone has an opinion on, you know, how the other games played. And regardless, we all think of them fondly, no doubt. I mean, we're MechWarrior fans, and there's hardly a negative thought, you know, what we think about them fondly. But, I mean, just there's a couple more of those things. I mean, boating was a major concern that the publishers also had, too. Again, it's just like, I think that's a problem maybe we'll just kind of put a little in story insert right here and come back to it at some point when we talk about you know the more modern games especially probably um MechWarrior 4 in particular but you know boating type issues and that was actually one that our fans um i guess i'd like to point out and we'll talk about that when it comes to you know the latest iterations of heat scale and, and our potentials the solutions we're putting in place in the game um, but, you know, our fans actually had demanded that of us in the beginning. You know, if you were on the forums in the very early, excuse me, very early days of Friends and Family or Closed Beta, they, they really said, hey, you know, you got to fix boating. So anyhow, these topics really made me reflect. And I wanted to kind of, if you guys don't mind, just kind of go back and, and talk about them and, and, you know, think about how we've sort of covered those off um, uh, for MechWarrior Online. Please do. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, just looking at it, uh, I just wanted to say, you mentioned the 2009 trailer, and I don't know if you knew this or not, Russ, but I, and Darren, actually, because I, uh, this is, this is, you know, a point in time when I already knew you, Darren. I had recruited you, we were playing, you know, a different game, A Living Legends, and I remember seeing this, uh, it was like GameSpot or whatever, and it had these, like, three freaking screenshots no, it wasn't even screenshots. It was like three-second clips of something walking in the city. Do you know how much anxiety, glee, and just... I, I don't even really know how to put it in words. Yeah, fanboyism or whatever. But, like, as soon as someone took a screenshot of one of those and saw the Davion flag in the background, like, we... It was such an intense thing. Like, for me, personally, I like, like, I'm thoroughly... I can go back and I can remember being like, no way, no way, no way. Dare, there were dare, there were tremors dare, within the force. You know, like, and that's how important it is. And I, I think everyone out there, I mean, it's like when you're, you know, almost 30 years old and you're jumping up and down because you're so excited. And, you know, I remember how excited I was because I was so let down, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, the sort of fall of MechWarrior 4, as you will. Um, you know, I guess luckily it didn't affect me as much because I went away for four years. I was playing in some desert, you know, sands, but you, you like, it was like this, oh my God, we're actually finally going to see another game. I mean, that's what you, you did to me and I, I can't speak for the rest. I mean, Greg, I don't know if you saw it back then or, or Darren, what, what were, what were your thoughts when you saw that? I mean, um, I figured the rapture was happening something. I, you, no, it was definitely, uh. It was it was a, a big moment for anybody. I mean, we'd been waiting for so long. I'd barely just found Living Legends, and of course, um, that was a mod, not a full release. And so, seeing that, I remember just being incredibly excited. And then once, you, of course, we saw the trailer, 
of course, the Warhammer. Hello. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I, I, was, I was a happy trailer. camper. Yeah. That trailer knocked my socks off. So, Russ, take us back. Well, yeah, let's... Actually, the first thing I might want to mention to you guys... I mean, the trailer was really created for a specific purpose. I mean, I don't think it's any secret that we were really trying to drum up support to get, you know, that retail product made to find a publisher, find someone who wanted to make the game with us. Um, and it, it really achieved its goals on so many fronts. I mean, it just... It, do, it definitely drew up the excitement we thought, and, and then some, and that really proved to us the market was still there, at least viable enough from our perspective. But what people don't really realize is that the video itself directly was trying to overcome those design challenges that publishers and all the people had told us about. I mean, everything you saw in that video was at least a small attempt by us to say, hey, this game's going to be modern. This game's going to overcome those challenges, and it's going to be a modern game. It's still going to be Mech Warrior, through and through, but it's going to overcome these challenges that you guys think is a problem. So that's why, for instance, we made a point of of having the Warhammer and not being able to find anyone, so we had to launch essentially what becomes a UAV drone, right? So that's us saying, look, it's no longer like the past games where you just press R and you just target an enemy and it doesn't matter how many buildings or hills he runs behind you just see the little red square right and you just follow that until he comes over you know pops his head over so that wasn't there anymore that was the inf information warfare part you had to put up the drone and then then of course there's the jenner that the rural warfare comes in there's a um an actual scout mech that's useful and he didn't live very long but that's as much as we could kind of work that angle in um at any rate most of the features that we talked about we made sure we put it some way into that into that video so even that was kind of a reflection of the problems we were trying to overcome and so when we start MechWarrior online we start developing MechWarrior online I, I won't get into like why we decided to make MechWarrior online instead of the other game i think that's everyone knows that story by now and i'm so happy for that choice truly i mean i know there's so many people out there that would love to see a good single player experience again um, never say never. I'd love to. I'd love to make one, but could we're not we, quite there yet. Could we sum it up to say you had console issues? Basically, that's what it was about. Um, say that again. Console issues in what way? Like, well, it was it was it was an issue about doing it for consoles, right? It, it, I mean, you that's where it got tied up as far as um, progressing with that specific title. Uh, not well. I suppose so, Darren, but only just because the world at that time, especially probably even more so than here today in 2013 was 100% driven by the consoles, right? Mm -hmm. And and things were changing with publishers. I mean, when we first started making games in 2000, we first started Piranha, PC games were, you know, pretty big then. And even if the publisher thought they could sell probably a half million units on PC, they, that's a good game. They'd make that game. That'd be a semi-hit. A million would be a big hit. By the time even we got to 2000, middle of 2009 for that, publishers needed to sell at least 3 million units across every platform where they just weren't interested. And we had the fundamental challenges of, A, they'd never be able to own the brand. That was Microsoft's. And here I am telling the whole story. I said I didn't want to. But, <laughs> Sorry um, about that. And, and B was B that um, they couldn't put it on the PlayStation, right? Ultimately, it's a Microsoft brand. They couldn't go on the PlayStation. So essentially, every third-party publisher just kind of went, oh, geez, you know? And, and to me, that's why free-to-play is so great. I know there's still quite a few people out there kind of getting the you know the hang of this free-to-play thing trying to decide to hate it love it or something but to me it is magic because it's an evolution that's really been forced upon us in a way i use the term the gatekeeper mentality the publishers really are the gatekeepers and it's gotten extreme you know it wasn't so extreme when i first started in 2000 and then towards the end a couple years ago when we stepped out of the console work for hire kind of space you know it was down to the point that publishers did almost no external development i mean there's just very few you know a few big games being made by a few big name third-party developers but very few and so i i am glad we're kind of getting off topic but I, I just love talking about talking about this and it's kind of a general business conversation more than anything um, yeah kind of proud of our you know kind of sidestepping into this free-to-play business model but i've always called it sort of the uh, the death of the single player game so i'll bring that up because it directly relates to Mech Warrior and Mech Warrior single player. People, on, it, it costs a lot of money to make a single player game nowadays. It, co it costs an extreme amount of money. And 
unless you're Halo or Call of Duty or one of these big names like Ubisoft makes or Activision, whoever, EA, you're just you're not seeing any single player games essentially, right? And so that's why a lot of people always ask like, why are you giving us more multiplayer stuff? Well, that's really the, the reason why, guys. I mean, it's it's a reflection of the market today that the, the gatekeepers, the main publishers, etc., just you know they're not going to make a single player game unless it costs them a hundred million to make it, and it's one of their big franchises that can make a lot of money. So I think free to play. Everyone should be extremely grateful for free to play. I mean, and. I think PC is gaining a lot of steam again, and I'm hoping that it'll maintain a lot of that steam even during this next console transition, because you know the PCs have kind of grabbed more of a foothold. And again, that kind of comes back to free-to-play because before, when we made a PC game, what made it so challenging is why PC kind of died off in North America, especially, is that you only had one market for it. Well, maybe two. You had North America, and you had Europe. But almost anywhere else, I'm sorry, you know, Australia and you guys, of course, you too, there's a few other smaller markets, but, you know, China, Russia, forget about it, right? The piracy was so extreme that you couldn't sell anything there. But now, in an online, free-to-play world, all of a sudden, we can make a Mech Warrior game. Not only can we sell it to North Americans and Germans and, and you know, Brits and, I guess, Aussies and, you know, classic regions, but... China, Russia, these are legitimate markets for free-to-play games now because they can't pirate the game. What's there to pirate, right? You download it, you play it, you spend money inside of the game. So in a lot of reasons, free-to-play business model is the only reason certain franchises even exist now. It's the only reason that Mechron 9 is coming back and given a chance to come back to life and achieve some of its past glories because of you know the business model of free-to-play. And so if everything goes really great, hey, Maybe we make a single player game and we build on and we sell it online and PC under the you know current infrastructure we've created. All those things are possible. And I guess to kind of make everyone feel excited, I would say, yeah, I think we're you know we're not there yet, but we're on our way. You know, like things are going well and and I think that there's much more of a chance today than there was you know a couple of years ago that there'd ever be a single player mech warrior product again. Well, just going off that, I mean, I, I remember the the change from. Uh, you know, consoles took over in the early 2000s, and we're just running with with the ball there. I mean, as far as graphics, horsepower, and everything. And now, like you were saying, the shift is actually in PCs um, nowadays, as far as the price to performance. I mean, consoles. You know, they came. They're coming out with the Xbox uh, and the the new PS4, and they're already outdated. They're they're not even out yet, and they're already outdated. Now, granted, yes, they'll squeeze some some years out of them. But how quickly do they have to turn around and come up with another console? Whereas the PC, you know, it's ever evolving and stuff like that. And I feel like that's that's one benefit. But uh, I guess you know a lot of people don't look at that that performance, uh, the what you can do, you know, based on and and you know, obviously that's all driven by the market as well. Like whether or not uh, you know a publisher will do it. So Russ. Regarding the free-to-play market, how long was the space between realizing you weren't going to be able to do the first project you wanted to do and that doing the free-to-play option was your choice? And was that an easy choice? What was the market like back then for free-to-play? Now I think a lot of us are used to them, uh, but back then it was kind of new, wasn't it? Um, Thank you, Darren, for getting us back on track. You're the best at that. Um, Yes, I would say it was quite a while I and mean, it was quite a bit of time you think about the video coming out in t- summer of 2009 um we had a ton of interest and we're dealing with publishers pretty strong for most of the rest of 2009 but nothing got done for those reasons i cited and then i think it was oh boy i might be getting mixed up here but was it even that late that year or maybe early the next spring yeah i think it was the next spring uh, we did the work for Gearbox and, and doing our you know console work for hire and getting Duke Nukem out on the on the marketplace and so that was keeping us busy but it wasn't keeping us from Mech Warrior because at that point we were just sort of lost in space we're just like well crap you know it looks like maybe we're not going to be able to make this happen and I have to give credit actually to some other people here I won't name names but we had some people approach us saying hey you got the Mech Warrior brand we got to do a free to play game and I have to admit at first we were just like like you know making you know farting noises after we hung up like just in your face that's the dumbest idea we've ever heard you know we were we still had the blinders on we were uh, very much caught up in, in the console world and and uh you know brick and mortar type sales and 
But the, the interesting thing is it didn't take long. It only took us probably, I don't know, maybe two weeks. Because um, initially we thought, oh, this means that it has to be super casual, super like the mechs are gonna, just going to be caricatures of themselves, like goofy, silly, free-to-play, right? And we started to discover, you know, we'd heard of these games but never really focused in on them. You know, and I'm going to talk about my competitors here. You're welcome. You know, things like uh, League of Legends, of course, World of Tanks. Uh, these were games that were free to play, that were working in the in North America and rest of you know the Western world and games you know areas that were in console dominant areas, but were having a huge amount of success. And the games themselves would be considered, you know, based on your definition, close to a sort of a you know high quality, maybe even a AAA gaming quality experience. So we started to really focus in on that. Brian and I started talking about it and and uh, you know I started pushing pretty hard with him saying I think we can make the game we want to make and there was still some debate whether that was 100% true or not but it didn't take very many weeks and we really convinced ourselves that yeah you know we can we can do this and and the brand actually is extremely well suited to the to the business model much more so than many games out there um, and then this was going to work and this was going to be, and it, but we were just hooked almost it took like maybe a month from the first phone calls where we said, yeah, whatever to like, yeah, we're like so all in. I mean, we are going for it. And, um, you know, we really just said, that's it. You know, we're going to, we're going full bore on this and, you know, PC free to play MechWarrior online, um, or a bust. And so, you know, we, we basically just put the whole company behind it and said, it's going to be there that turnaround. And, and to start something really great for, for Prana Games or the last game we ever make. I was going to say, you know, you mentioned you guys chose that path, you had all the challenges up to getting there. And then you, you mentioned this earlier when you were talking about the 2009 trailer and what you you were talking about. What needed to change, though, for the IP? What what needed to change from earlier titles? And can you really get into that? Because I think that that's what a lot of people is like. You talked about bringing a modern approach. And I think so many people, including myself, I've been guilty of it, get hung up on like, oh, all this nostalgia. And oh, yeah, I remember this. Well, we have to keep it that way. And the reality is you can't. You have to adapt. Like, And can you can you talk about a little bit about that more? Yeah, I mean, let me just, I guess, overarching summarize then is that and and I'm going to put the the caveat out there too. This is everything I say today is that I know everything's not perfect and everything needs continual improvement. And you know we're continuing to do that. But if we think back just for a minute, we sit back and you know instead of getting caught up on the details and chasing perfection, which is great. If you ever stop chasing perfection, then we might as well give up. But if we sit back and think about the game we're playing as Mech Warrior fans. We're playing a MechWarrior game that if you go into your standard match, you've got lights, mediums, heavies, assaults, all on the battlefield at the same time. By choice, they're taking those mechs out there. The guys that are going there with their Jenner are not expecting to lose. They're expecting to dominate. They're expecting to get some kills. They're expecting to be top players in their team. That's a first. That is, uh, I mean, it's not even quite putting it uh, the right way, just saying that's a first. I mean, I can't. It's an understatement. Kind of, it's yes, an understatement. It's that is epic in and of itself. Truly, one of the things we're most proud of, for sure. It's not perfect yet, but it's just we've never seen that before in a MechWarrior game. Darren um, fears the Jenner. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm generally in a heavy, not going super fast, and I have nightmares about Jenners and spiders. And don't forget, last night when we were playing on Twitch, Russ, you were playing with us. We got our ass handed to us by a lance of light mechs that were very effective, very skilled, coordinated. Well, it's at the point now where, of course, people are saying, hey, winning the tonnage matchmaker in. Because it's not just about, you know, getting mediums in or whatever. It's about making sure that there's only so many lights in the match, too. Because having too many, in the before, if someone brought a whole bunch of lights, they would just be a white. But... Now it's, I mean, it, it's interesting, right? So we have to we have to make sure the tonnage match major gets in there so that um, there's only so many of each class. It's really important to the bounce. So there's that, and then lagging. Move on to the whole lagging issue. Well, it, it is a tactic still, and it should be, 
but it's um and we didn't do anything really magical there i mean obviously one leg doesn't kill you that's the biggest difference uh and there's a number of other minor things that contribute to that but you know it's a tactic still to slow down lights for sure more than anything trying to leg them but generally speaking people are not going for the light or the legs on in any other mechs and it's uh, really removed as, as a problem in the game and so that's that's a great thing um, the targeting thing, uh, I think there's always going to be a need for more improvement there. But generally speaking, yeah, you know, only have targets if someone's got visual range on someone, which puts an entirely new dimension on a Mech Warrior game. That's as simple as that sounds, because we've seen it in every other game we play. That's really a first for Mech Warrior too. And the boating thing, uh, that's going to bring up our biggest conversation. But I would like to kind of maybe you know reflect there and wax poetic just a little bit if we think about you know, what is the Alpha Strike? I mean, to me, the Alpha Strike word, it's its cool because it's synonymous with MechWarrior players. And so that's great. There's that history there of like Alpha Strike, right? But in some ways, if you think about it, that's like the bane of, of our existence. I mean... Double-edged sword, no doubt. Yeah, the fact that Catalyst called their new thing Alpha Strike, I almost want to go in there and strangle <laughs> Randall and say, oh, stop feeding everyone this Alpha Strike mentality because I almost blame... It's more than just Mech 4, but I have a lot of I have a bit of an issue with MechWarrior 4 and sort of generating an entire generation of like alpha strikers. And so, let's go back to Biotech, for instance, because it's existed since the original, I think, original pen and paper. If you, an alpha Pretty striker much, was yeah. firing all your weapons, right? But if you look at those original mechs, first off, when people played Battletech, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I've when I've ever played it, I've only ever played the default loadouts like maybe you you take a particular variant or whatever whatever's on the paper sheet and you played with that i don't think i ever did the mech lab thing for BattleTech. it was just like this is the weapons that a battle master has these are the weapons that a locust has we're and you're so, given what you you're given and you like it <laughs> yeah and so you want to alpha if you look at those weapon loadouts on almost you any can't alpha well even if you yeah you're right in one sense darren that maybe there's lrms and there's machine guns so you kind of right. can't but even if you got into a situation where you could, they're very heat-efficient builds, right? I mean, they're like oh, yeah. well-spread weapon range. Yes. Um, but then the other half is, if you start getting kind of hot in battle tech, you know, even like 60-70% heat, all of a sudden, what, you're like running at two-thirds of speed and have a chance of blowing up like already, right? So it's like, I mean, the heat is really punishing, much more punishing in, in battle tech, probably to an unfun level, and that's why it hasn't been fully interpreted into the mech warrior franchise but bottom line is people just don't alpha strike like that mech warrior really created the problem of boating and alpha striking especially when they got more advanced mech labs probably as you progress through mech warrior 3 and mech warrior 4 and people started to create you know these these boating type builds but then the extra challenge there is not only could you create the boating builds but these are box products, right? So once the game ships and is on the shelf, you might get one or two minor little patches of support after, but hardly, right? And it was just done. The developers walked off and they were working on the next thing. So it lived on in perpetuity forever on the multiplayer servers that the only way to play multiplayer in MechWarrior 4 was to be a 95-ton jump-jetting gladiator with ERPPZs, right? And oh, so now or... that's generate that creates a whole generation of players that think, hey, to me, Mech Warrior is alpha striking PPCs. Oh yeah, and I, I remember the the seven ER large laser Nova, um, but he, it actually it goes back even further than that. Mech Warrior three, oh gosh, remnant, the, the memories flood back. It was for me, it was running around in the the twelve uh, you know uh, ER small laser or ER mediums uh, shadow cat or the Strider or. Uh, you know, just taking just all the LRMs or just this. I mean, and even it, I think it was even worse in three and in two because they were using the direct tabletop. Like you could put any weapon anywhere you wanted; it, it didn't matter. And and you know, at least MechWarrior four, they tried to you know do the hardpoint system, but it still catered to uh, just like you said. Um, well, let's take uh, you know uh, seven ER large lasers, alpha, right? Alpha shutdown. Alpha, alpha shutdown, and I, I think that's more of a, a that's a battle tech translation that wasn't really thought through, and it's really hard to you know basically, and that's what you guys are doing right now is you're creating new systems to curb that. That is definitely a fault from going from a tabletop to a, a first person experience. 
Yeah, and I think it's fair to say that there's there's been some other solutions thrown out by the community, alternative solutions. And it's not to say there's only one way to fix the problem. I mean, there probably was and is multiple ways to fix the issue. We chose this way for a few reasons. The other half of the problem is sometimes when some people in the community say, well, hey, why didn't you just do it like this? You know, build up heat quicker, but dissipate fast and a few other things. And, if, and they've got some logic around what they've supplied and it's not false. A lot of it makes sense. But the other half of the equation is to us, we thought the mandate from our player base and the, and the game that we set out to make was the game that we really experienced kind of the early friends and family days where it, we found that the fun factor, and this isn't going to be true for everybody. There's guys out there that will disagree that to them, fun is, is maybe a little different, but the vast majority of our player base had a lot of fun experiencing kind of the full breadth of MechWarrior to be the first game that would actually have full usage of SRM, SRM4, 6, with Artemis. I mean, even those little things we think about, those, I mean, how many SRMs did you fire off in some of the previous games? It's, um, so anyhow, we could keep going back to that, but there's, they wanted to brawl, they wanted to have uh, close quarters combat, they wanted to have the use of their, all the weapons in Biotech and have a vast variety of builds that were viable. But more than that, they wanted to have more of a sense that they were in a giant mech that actually could take some abuse. And so the the poor side effect, at least from, from most of our perspectives, not everybody, but from most of us, I think it's a real um, downer and it, it really pulls me out of my experience when I'm in a giant mech and I get obliterated from one big alpha strike. So the other part of that equation was that if you're gonna have a mech lab, which we wanted to have, no matter what kind of hard point system you do, you're gonna have some bolts and they're gonna have lots of PPCs or lasers or some way of putting high amounts of pinpoint damage into one particular component of a battle mech. And so really there needed to be an extension of the Battletech Mech Warrior rules that took mech lab into consideration. I think that's really what if you're not going to have all the extreme heat penalty rules that really don't translate into much fun in a live action game like the pen and paper has, and maybe we'll see a point in time where some more of those heat penalties and things come into the game, but for now, and no MechWarrior game's really done that, it's really more about controlling, um, not just controlling the DPS, but controlling how much damage can be placed on a mech, because we want you in your mech out there, even in your 50-ton Centurion, to feel like you're in something big. It isn't fun in our our opinion, at least as a Piranha's opinion, to come over the hill, catch a six PPC blast from a stalker in your right torso, you were running an XL, or even in your center torso in that case, and completely be destroyed by one alpha strike. So you're gonna get hit by alpha strikes and they're gonna do a lot of damage, but if we can put some kind of scaling method in, and it's nothing new to our game, I mean, I guess to kind of lean on other games. I mean, I played Eve. I think you guys have played Eve a lot. Um, they do the same thing with so many of their, what do they call them? Do they call them modules? modules? Yeah, yeah, modules. So you get the module that's like a, a one point, whatever, like a 1% damage increase module. And it says, you know, basically for every one after the first one, you get diminishing returns from it. So some people still jam six of them in there, even though you're getting minor amounts of improvement from each one. That's really the same notion here, saying we encourage you to take a balanced build out. We encourage you to be able to fight at long range and short range. You can specialize, but that's fine. If you're a short range only mech, great. You're going to have to kind of bide your time, wait till you get up close, and that's tactics. But you're also going to have to build your mech in a way that um, we, we, we don't want you to put 60 points of damage on the center torso just like that whenever you want. We'd like to limit that. So we've kind of limited around the 30 point range. You know, if you, you can fire off two PPCs and say an AC 10 now, that's no penalty there. There's still 30 points of pinpoint damage. That's still plenty in, in our opinion. And so we just didn't want you to, you know, to feel like your mech was make, made out of paper mache because you, you know, you went over the hill and caught one big 60 damaged alpha strike to the chest and you were destroyed instantly. So to us, we think that translates into more fun and more enjoyment to our players. And it's still a very core 
MechWarrior experience. It's just all we've done is kind of say, you know what? Kind of wish the whole alpha striking mentality was a little different than it's been. And we're trying to kind of change the, I guess, the education process a little bit to say alpha striking is still a valid term in MechWarrior, but we want to redefine it a little bit to the point where maybe you're doing it less often and that the alpha strike damage you're doing isn't perhaps as high as it, as it was before. Well, I mean, we got to look at a few things, though. When you say alpha strike, um, and I think it's really the context of your build, though, because, you know, I can take a hunchback for P and be relatively heat neutral across the board and always fire all my weapons at the same time. Now, that being said, what did I do? I sacrificed a lot for either a lot of heat sinks or maybe I don't have as many weapons as I could. Now, on the flip side, um, I could take a lot of weapons and I could do an alpha strike, but then the rest of the time I'm, you know, micromanaging, you know, two groups or three groups and maybe my third group is chain firing and stuff like that. And I think what you were hitting on precisely something we've talked about on the podcast all the time, I mean... The you know, the translation of you know tabletop. There is no pinpoint accurate you know weapons, and uh, you know that's one thing I've always uh, you know said is when you when you take that and you have the mouse is as accurate as it is, and I can put all of, you know weapons on one location, and you know even at long distance I can pull the trigger and hit. Uh, you're gonna see that you know being exploited to an extent. And we saw that with the PPCs and Goss. You know, I mean everyone was running them and stuff like that. And, you know, I almost feel like that's that's something that just needs to change. I mean, it's like, okay, well, the reality is if it, that works for a tabletop, but it doesn't work for a online experience, at least in my books. And so you have to create new systems, get rid of the old, implement the new. Now, that all being said, would it be fair? I mean, Darren and, and, and the rest of you guys, that it's okay to have two different systems from a online PC experience and a tabletop board game. I mean, it's okay to use familiarities, right? Heat and you know, the mechs and the names and stuff like that. But in my opinion, it's it's okay to have different rules. I mean, it, am I right? I mean... Yeah, the, the balance between tabletop and, and the... You, uh, got, you have to ditch the systems that don't work. It's it's not it's not realistic to say, yes, take... A, and I, I think across the board, everyone agrees. I mean, but what I'm saying is, like, those rules are unwritten. You know, to to take, uh, th and that's what you guys are doing. And a, a lot of people, you know, obviously you said is there are a lot of ideas. There are a lot of opinions. And, uh, you know, they are right. And, you know, obviously you guys have to make a decision on what you guys want it to be. And sometimes, obviously, some people might not agree or they think this is better or whatever. But at the end of the day, and this is what I'm really excited for, is we're, see we're seeing stuff like UAVs, like, it totally makes sense to have UAVs. Like, I love UAVs in the game. I'm like, I actually, that's one thing I'm building up GXP for, is to get, like, UAVs. Because I'm like, it's great. It's a great way for information. Just to be able to pop them up, and you see light mechs do it all the time. Well, UAVs aren't in battle tech. There may be a specific rule or whatever. But, like, little things like that. What about, um, you know, multiple crosshairs? Like, there's nothing about that in battle tech. You know, and... Those are the things that I really enjoy, you know, and it's it's that moving forward and making it a modern, like... I would like to game. think that they uh, influence and inspire each other, but that the tabletop and video games are completely separate. Um, that's kind of the position I come from. I want both experiences to be as enjoyable as possible. Well, you know what I wanted in Alpha? I wanted uh, every... 10 seconds, one team moves, and then when they're done moving, <laughs> the other team moves for 10 seconds, and you go back and forth. I thought that yes. would be sweet. Yes. No, it, you know, and I, I think uh, that's that's one thing that I, I remember when we were speculating about, uh, you know, MWO early, early on. It would, when we, me and Darren started NGNG and just blabbing on, and you guys were listening, bless your souls. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I remember proposing randomness and this and that, and, you know, now I find one of the most annoying things, me personally, is like the, the UAC, the random, like, and I'm like, God, can you imagine if this, like, reticle was, like, bouncing everywhere and, like, I, or I was point blank with someone and I shot and I couldn't hit and, you know, yeah, yeah those those are I things mean, that. Yeah, Phil, let me jump in there because I, I agree. And I think kind of going back to the other conversation we had a minute ago was you brought up a point that I'd forgotten about, which is really valid, which is the fact that we're not rolling dice, you know, these guys are really skilled with their mouse and they put the mouse where they want it to go. And that's great. I think the shots 
our opinion at Piranha is that the shots should go where they point the mouse. There's very few exceptions. Machine guns will give a little bit of your classic, you know, reticle spray, but for the most part, we feel it's not fun unless the shots are going where your your mouse is pointing at. So that means that if you're not rolling dice and the shots are going where your mouse is pointing at, we don't think it would be very fun if there was like a, you said a reticle and all of a sudden you shoot your PPC and because the guy's 800 meters away. One time it hits him in the head, the next time it hits him in the leg, and next time it shoots wide of him, even though you're pointing at his center torso. That's not fun. I don't think we should go there. So the way we had to deal with this was it's it's not alpha strike so much. That's the swear word. Yes, we're trying to limit maybe – well, I guess not even true. We're not really even limiting the alpha strike. I mean you could have two machine guns, two medium lasers, two SRM4s, and – and two auto cannons, and you could alpha everything, and you're not going to hit any of the heat scale penalty. You can alpha the whole thing penalty free. So we're we're talking alpha strike because sometimes the pinpoint damage is associated with the alpha strike, but it's really not about the alpha strike per se. That that word, I guess, I'm going to stop saying it's a bad word. It's fine. The part that we think is the problem is that the pinpoint damage. So you you talked about your hunchback 4P. Well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you can you can do an alpha of greater than 30 damage. Like I said earlier, was kind of the benchmark. Well, you can have, you can fire six medium lasers um, without any problem. That's well, that's 30, I guess, in there. But you can very little penalty. You can shoot, you know, six to nine medium lasers. But of course, there's a big difference among weapons, isn't there? I mean, the medium laser has a what whatever it is. What is it? One to two second duration and. If that mech, unless he's standing still, if he's doing any kind of moving, running, and whatnot, if these are SRMs or lasers of any kind, it's almost certain that you're going to hit probably anywhere from two to three or more components on his battle mech with those shots. So the damage is being spread out, and that's the key. It, it continues to feed into the notion that your mech is solid. You're not going to get a whole punch through you in one shot. And I, I know there's an opinion brought up. Not everyone's going to share that opinion. There are people out there we know, some of this competitive crowd in particular, that fun to them is, I saw you before you saw me, I'm going to punch a hole right through your mech. And that's okay. The people can, you know, that's their opinion. But I guess, you know, the stance we've taken is we feel that isn't as fun, that isn't as enjoyable. And MechWarrior Online is going to be, if we can help it, less about that and more about skill everyone has told us i mean i take skill to spot some before you spot them and punch a hole through them I, I understand that but we feel like people want to play more of a battle of attrition more of a constant applying of your skill a constant applying of dps and turning and armor tanking and trying to use every last scrap of the armor on your mech while you turn and rotate and apply damage in the most effective way and to see if you can win that battle of attrition so that's the stance we've taken. We think it. We think people have responded extremely well to it. We think the vast majority of our player base is loving it, and they they are loving the experience that Warrior Online is. And so, um, not everyone will agree with that, but uh, hopefully they can respect the choice and have some fun with it. Well, you know, even then, I can uh, say, well, given a set of rules, like okay, even if you you're going for that, uh, you're going for the fun, you're going for that attrition, you know, uh, armor taking stuff. It's just a set of rules. The competitive players still are gonna are gonna be able to adapt and overcome. They're still gonna have that. I mean, at the end of the day, if you have twelve mechs, you know, let's just say at any given time, like eight of them target one enemy mech and fire, you know, they're still gonna be able to achieve. It doesn't matter what the the meta game, as it's referred to a lot, they're still gonna be able to achieve that a sense of organization hey, and, the very and stuff good like players, that. The best players in this game, the guys that were dominating with the two PPC Gauss uh, attacks. A lot of them, not all of them. Maybe some of them were hiding behind that notion of gameplay and they were good at that and nothing else. But most of them are just damn good players. And they're going to be damn good players this way too. Yep. So, uh, yep. you know, they're still going to be great players. And that concludes part one of the Russ Bullock interview. Part two will go live tomorrow and take a look at MWO in its present form, including recent patches and the official launch of MechWarrior Online. It'd be best if you avoid me. But I know you probably can't You sense something is wrong with me You can feel it on my skin But there is more with it
you probably thought it was normal Just a little off The truth is at one time I was But now I'm a robot 